Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Benjamin May McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and today I'll be talking to Australian musical theatre icon and television personality, Todd McKenney. And then I'll be checking out the latest cinematic releases, thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas. And after that, I'll be looking at the latest releases of Roadshow Entertainment. But first, here's my chat with Todd McKenney. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Now, you're a very successful performer and a household name, but how would you describe yourself? Um, oh, how would I? Well, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, maybe. I don't know. I, I dabble in a lot of different areas of, of, of performance, and um, I think uh, yeah, I'd probably call myself a jack-of-all-trades. Okay. Well, when did you know that you wanted to pursue performing as a career? Uh, well, my mother was a dancing teacher. My grandmother was a dancing teacher as well. And so I, I was kind of brought up in that environment. But I was brought up in Perth, um, sort of in the 70s, when there wasn't a lot of scope for male dancers to perform. So I didn't really know if I was going to make a, be able to make a career out of it. I mean, a lot more shows go to Perth now than they ever did before. But um, I would have been quite young when I knew that I was good at dancing and, um, and knew that I would like to keep doing it. Um, and then I travelled um, the world quite a bit with ballroom dancing, so I had a kind of taste of both of those different worlds um, and then got to a point in ballroom dancing where I, we were at quite a high level and I either had to give, give my theatrical dancing away or give the ballroom away because they were both kind of taking up you know, the same space. Uh, and... I saw an, an audition in, in the Australian newspaper for a show in Adelaide called Song and Dance, an Andrew Lloyd Webber's show, in 1983 and decided to go and audition for it and I got that role and so I then gave up the ballroom dancing, unfortunately for my ballroom partner of 10 years, but um, she went on to great things and then my, that's where my show is career started. Okay, well do you think that you made the right decision looking back now? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I, I did. I had a great time doing the ballroom um, stuff and it sort of, well, I wouldn't be on Dancing with the Stars, for instance, if I hadn't. Um, and um, there's something really rewarding about the, the stage business because, you, you know, you never really know when the next job's going to come and you also don't know what that next job's going to be. So the variety is huge. And that's the thing I like most. Well, who inspired you to become a performer? Oh, my mum and watching old musicals on TV and the movies and, and you know, Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, all those, you know, cliché but typical, you know, inspiring dancers kind of loves. And um, uh, and my mum was very, very supportive of me too. So um, I, I was lucky in that regard. Absolutely. So what's been your most memorable experience in your career so far? There's been a few. Um, I, well, opening night of Boy From Oz was probably um, one of the m most uh, thrilling and nerve-wracking and scary uh, uh, experiences because I didn't know whether the audience was going to like it. Um, we put eight weeks of rehearsal in, plus I knew I'd had the role for a year before that, so I did had a year worth, year's worth of uh, study and prep and research for the role. Um, and, you know, it all kind of rested on my head, um, largely. Um, and playing an iconic Australian, you don't really know whether people are going to buy somebody else playing that person. Um, whereas if you play a fictional character, it's a lot easier. So all, that was all very nerve-wracking and also very exciting because 
from the very first bar of the you know the of the overture the crowd went nuts and they continued to go nuts for the next three years so how does that make you feel as a performer when you get that kind of reaction oh look i think every perform it's really what you do it for um whether it's for um belly laughs from the audience if you're a comedian or whether it's for absolute silence if you're a symphony player um or in musical theater you want a little bit of both um it's it makes you feel uh yeah very rewarded so how have you seen the industry evolve since you started working in it oh good question well um i think it's a lot more acceptable these days um for boys to be dancers or um, singers or on stage um, I think there was back when I was growing up it was kind of a girls kind of business and if you were a boy going into it you were seen as um, a little bit soft um, and but these days with the success of movies musicals and also TV shows like Glee um, and smash and and all of the talent shows it's now a lot more acceptable for for guys to you know, pursue a career on stage. Do you think talent shows have played a big part in inspiring young Australians to be involved in musical theatre and performing? Yes, I do. I think, and I also think um, social media has um, inspired a lot of people because everybody can, we can now see um, instantly what fame is and that fame is attainable for people, you know, from, uh, from, from being able to see what's happening on the, on the other side of the world so instantaneously. And I think that inspires kids to... You know, the Hollywood dream is now, for instance, very much a reality for young kids growing up in and studying drama and all that because they can see how they can see that via the internet. And um, I, yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably a good thing. So do you think it makes it harder for, I suppose, people to land roles when they're unknown? Uh, I think it's a, a brave producer. We're talking stage now. I think it's a, a brave producer who gives a role to an unknown um, because, you know, names sell tickets and that's a, a cruel reality, um, but one that is a reality. And um, it was a brave producer who produced The Boy From Oz and put me in it because I was, you know, just a kind of theatrical kind of nobody really when that started. And um, it's, um, I think it is harder for people to land roles, but talent shines through. So if you've got the talent and you walk into an audition room and you really just blitz it and blow everybody else out of the water, the producer will take a risk on you if you've, if you've got that kind of talent. Mm, certainly. Now, you've talked about The Boy From Oz, but now you perform a show called Todd McKenney Sings Peter Allen. When did you decide to create this show? Well, it happened by accident, really. Um, midway through last year um i was approached to do an album of peter allen songs and i kind of scratched my head and thought um i'd never done one and couldn't really work out why i had never done one after being involved with peter's life for so long because the boy from oz was in 1998 um and so we decided to put a live show together of the album basically and um so people can get hear the album and then they can see it live which is sort of interesting for them and it's working really well. And also the other reason we're doing this show is because we're really focusing on the regional areas rather than the capital cities. The capital cities got the boy from Bob, so they had that experience. And so this is a way of taking a smaller version of the show to, um, to areas where the population didn't get to see the boy from Oz. So what do you think the key is to make a music show or a musical successful? Uh, 
collaboration and listen to everybody and then make up your own mind. Um, I think you've got to feel the market and you've got to know who your market is. And if you've got to put on a show, you've got to make sure that the market is... Uh, well, wealthy enough to buy a ticket to a show. Like, for instance, there's no point to putting on a $10 million musical that's going to only appeal to the teenage market because the teenage market aren't going to have the cash to come and see it and you're going to lose your dough. So there's a lot involved in, uh, in that. Someone like John Frost, who's the producer of Grease, which I'm currently doing, um, and is one of the most prolific producers in the country, is very good at reading the market um, and knowing what what show would fit in a certain time frame. Like, it's time for another tap dancing musical, I think. So that's going to be on the cards for next year. Um, it's, yeah, so you just kind of you can learn this sort of stuff as you go along. Okay. Well, is there a role you haven't yet played you would love to play? Yes, I'd love to play um, P.T. Barnum in the musical Barnum. Um, it's He's a great character and the music's fantastic and it was first performed in Australia in 1982 with Reg Livermore um, and he's just a wonderful character. Barnum is a guy who invented circus, um, really, and also um, largely invented um, museums. He was the first person to make people pay to come and see people do freakish things <laughs> so or um, make them like the bearded woman or the world's shortest person or the world's oldest singer and he got them all together and took them on this traveling circus um, and invented circus if you like and he, the music from the musical Barnum is fantastic and I just love his character. Okay so what's your favorite musical of all time? Oh Les Mis I think. I, I saw Les Mis in uh, New York, the third week after it opened, it was the first place it opened in the world, and um, it was um, the first style of that kind of big epic musical that we'd ever seen. And I remember sitting in a theatre in New York, and an interval came, and the lights came up, and I got a shock that I was actually in the theatre. It completely transported me from my seat into their world. It was, it was an amazing feeling, and I've never had it again, um, and I'll never forget it. It was very powerful. Do you still get that feeling when you see later productions of Les Mis? Uh, well, do you know what? A little bit. Yes, I still do get sucked in. It depends. Um, it depends on the actors and the casting, to be honest with you. And but this new version of Les Mis that's coming up, um, on, it has got the most amazing reviews, and everybody's telling me it's thrilling. So I can't wait to to see that. Hopefully, that will happen again. But it doesn't have to be a drama where that happens. I mean. The other time that that kind of happened to me was actually at a Dame Edna concert in Melbourne at the Palais Theatre. Um, I was I was so engrossed in her performance or Barry Humphrey's performance that you just completely lost yourself. So it doesn't just have to be drama that does that. Okay. Well, in addition to all your performing, you're also a judge on Dancing with the Stars. What do you look for in a performer? Oh, the ability to entertain. I mean, on Dancing with the Stars, I, I don't care if they're not the most technical dancers. I don't think you're going to always get technical dancers, but just just watching somebody um, relax and be themselves on stage, I think, is comforting. I hate it when I look at any performer and you can see the work involved. I, it's not. It's, it doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Um, and in, on Dancing with the Stars, if... You're, if they entertain the crowd, entertain me, then I like them. Like Brian Mannix, for instance, was on maybe not last season, the season before. 
He was terrible, but he was so entertaining and hilarious that we just wanted to keep him there so we could just see what he was going to come up with the next week. And that is part of the show as well. Um, and then you get someone like in the last series, Cosentino, who was technically good, but to me, he was just flatlined. And I, I've got the same performance every week to different music. And so I look for, for someone who's, who can change, um, who inhabits the music, and who makes me laugh, makes me smile. So how often do you find that performer that you're looking for? Rarely. <laughs> Rarely. Um, on Dancing with the Stars, it normally, there's normally one or two of them in each series, um, but they're normally not the best dancers and they don't normally make it to the finals. But, um, yeah, it's, it's rare. I really like to laugh. I, I mainly go to the theatre for a laugh, so if somebody can make me laugh, I'm hooked. OK, well, you also run backstage tours. What was your motivation for setting these up? Well, it wasn't my motivation, actually. It was, uh, well, it is now, but it, that happened purely by accident. And so that's, people can go to toddstours.com and, and have a look at what that's all about. But um, I was at lunch at a friend's place uh, last, not last Christmas, the Christmas before. And the, her, the, Julie Walker, her name is, and her husband, Chris, is uh, not in the business at all, doesn't understand show business at all. Um, but he's a part owner in four restaurants in Sydney. Just innocently said, have you ever thought of taking people to dinner and a show or taking people on tours to Broadway or the West End and escorting them? And I thought, wow, what a great idea. Um, I was driving home from the lunch with my mum and I, we were chatting about it. I said, that is a really good idea. And so we started to put together an itinerary to take groups of 30 people to Broadway and then to Paris so they could see the Broadway shows and then a week of the, of the Paris shows like the Moulin Rouge and the Lido and the Folies Bergère and stuff. And then as we were putting that together, um, there it, we realised that's a big, big task and we had never done that before. And so I thought, well, I've got the theatre contacts here. Uh, Julian's husband, Chris, has the restaurant contacts. Why don't we do dinner and a show? And so I rang John Frost, the producer of Greece, and said, um, would you let me bring groups of 30 people backstage to show them how showbiz works and how it runs? And he was right on board with it. He absolutely loved the idea. And so we just put our toe in the water and um, opened Todd McKenney's Centre Stage Tours to see what would happen, and we were inundated with um, support. And so we've done it now in every capital city that Greece plays. We've got Perth and Adelaide on sale now, so we go to dinner before the show at a fine restaurant, like a really good restaurant, um, we talk about musical theatre, people, people who are interested in musical theatre or Dancing with the Stars, we talk about all that and we have dinner together and then I take them into the theatre, they see the show, I, do, I go backstage and do the show and then they stay in their seats at the end of the night and we come and collect them and then they go backstage and have a tour of the dressing rooms, the quick change areas, the, the, the fly floor, they get to see how the mechanics of the show works and so for someone who's not in the business it's it's really interesting and we absolutely love doing them and they've taken off so it was just a you know an innocent statement from Chris that kind of got this whole business up and running and it's it's doing really well so what kind of audiences do you attract to the backstage tours well it's a really wide demographic um, half of them are theater lovers um, a lot of them are um, older people whose partners are maybe no longer alive or they've their partners aren't interested in theatre, that don't want to come to theatre, or um, that their kids have given them as a present because they're, you know, what do you give a 70-year-old for a present, you know, uh, for an anniversary or a birthday or Christmas? And so we're attracting a lot of single people, a lot of uh, 
older people, but then you've got families whose kids are from dancing schools. Um, so we get mum and dad and the kids coming. So it was a massive demographic. A lot of people um, have kept in contact with each other and making new friends out of it. So there's, there's lots of different sort of legs or arms to it. Well, I know as a performer, it certainly sounds like a fascinating concept. Well, it's dinner and a show. I mean, when I grew up, mum used to take me to dinner and a show. And so everyone goes to dinner and a show. So I'm just hosting the dinner and doing the show. <laughs> and then we're adding the backstage too. So it's just an extension of dinner and a show, really. OK. Well, as you mentioned, you're currently touring in Greece playing Teen Angel. Now, I saw the production in Melbourne and you stole the second act of the show. Now, okay. how do you do that with a three-minute roll? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's kind of the audience dictates that, really. I mean, we just wanted to make sure that it was um, tailored to my uh, my personality and my set of skills. And so I wasn't just doing a, a version of the movie or a version that John Farnham or Anthony Wallow had done, but our own. And, of course, my dance is my background, and then Dancing with the Stars is obviously part of the reason why I'm there as well. We, um, and so we incorporate all those other bits of my life into this number, so it's become kind of this unique um, take on the, on the number. But, you know, if you're only on stage for three minutes in a long show, you want to make it count. <laughs> and you certainly did that. So... How, how do you approach it from a rehearsal perspective? Uh, that role? Yeah, that role. Oh, the, well, that was a weird rehearsal period because I'm not in... I don't relate to any other character in the show. So um, I relate to Frenchie I, because I'm basically coming down from heaven telling her to forget beauty school and go back to high school. Um, but she's the, really the only person that I come in contact with. There's a couple of girls um, behind, a few girls behind. Um, but... I'm kind of self-contained, and so I didn't rehearse with the rest of the cast. I had about maybe three rehearsals with the cast, but the rest of the time they were doing because they carried the bulk of the show, um, and so they were always in rehearsals, and I was just sort of tacked on at the end. And so it was really weird. I didn't, I didn't actually feel part of the company when we very first started in Greece, but I now certainly do um, because I'm just this guy who comes on out of the blue for three minutes and goes home, you know, it's like... Um, but now I come to, at the beginning of the show and I, I, I hang out with the cast beforehand and I generally cause havoc while they're on stage working hard. I, Bert Newton and I do things like swap their shoes around so when they come off for a quick change, they've got <laughs> the wrong shoes. <laughs> but, um, things like that. Bert and I are not very good when we've got time on our hands. <laughs> Bert's a big, big practical joker and so am I. Well, can you talk us through your routine each night from once you arrive at the theatre? Oh, sure. I arrive at the theatre and I normally go up to the wardrobe room um, and talk to the dressers. Um, and uh, because while they're getting ready, it's, it's just a hive of activity because the cast are on stage warming up, so they're not available to me. Uh, so I go, I'll go upstairs and... Um, and I warm up during the first part of the show, so I don't do the cast warm-up. So um, then I go to do the vocal warm-up with the rest of the cast. They all go off and get um, ready, and I then go upstairs to my dressing room and I do my emails or my Facebook <laughs> or my Twitter or just take stupid Instagram photos. <laughs> I'll talk to Anthony Kalia. He's got a small role as well. Um, Actually, in Adelaide, we'll have uh, John Paul Young joining us, so I'll probably hang out with him. Um, and just go around and say hello to everybody and, um, and sort of just hang out. My work sort of starts at interval, really. At interval, I put my microphone on, my earpiece in, um, my, that massive wig I wear. And so, yeah, for the first half of the show, I just 
cause havoc, <laughs> basically. So it sounds like a lot of fun. It's a hilarious fun. I have absolutely no problem with only being on stage for three minutes. I've, I love it. Okay, well, at your professional level, do you still continue to train to refine your skills? I do. I do, um, well, yes, always, but not so much in class situations anymore. Now I work with a band, so we're always um, fine-tuning the show and changing the show around, and so there's always rehearsals involved with that. Um, Dancing with the Stars, I can't rehearse. Um, there's nothing to train for for that. You've just got to you know, get up there and do it live. Um, but I I have a trainer three or four times a week, a personal trainer, which is where I've just come from now, uh, to keep me uh, aerobically fit. Because um, I'm nearly 50 and I'm still working, so I can't let myself spread too much at this point, <laughs> even though I'd love to. Okay, so what do you think is critical in fostering performing arts in Australia? Oh, look, I think if... Uh, well, I, look, these days... You know, when I was growing up, you know, you were always told to, you know, train to do something to fall back on and get a degree and blah, 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 which I think is sensible parenting and advice for, you know, parents whose kids want to go into show business. But um, there's a lot of opportunities to work in show business. And um, I think if your kid is gifted and talented, then you should get them in there at an early age and, and encourage them. And, um uh, yeah, I think, and I, the other thing I think for, for people who are, I do want to work in theatre, long gone are the days where you can just be a dancer or just be a singer or just be an actor. You've really got to do all three if you want to remain employable. Um, and you've got to do all three at a, a top level, like focus on them all evenly. Um, if you want to be employable, if you just want to join a dance company, then just do that. But if you want to be employable really for and have a long career, you've got to have lots of strings to your bow. And that's one thing my mum instilled in me and that's why, you know, if I'm not doing television, I'm doing theatre. If I'm not doing theatre, I'm doing radio. And so it's, I think, being multi-skilled is the, is the key. Okay, well you've just mentioned some of the mediums you work in. Do you have a favourite? Well, theatre, I think, is my, it's like a big comfy pair of old slippers for me. <laughs> um, I know how it works and I know how, and I love doing my one-man show. I love the Todd McKinney Sings Peter Allen show and that style of show because I get to do whatever I want and it's not scripted and it's me being me and I'm not hiding behind a character. But then the other side of that is the character stuff, like the Teen Angel or Boy From Oz, um, where you have technology, technology around you so somebody else does all the hard work, like the publicity and the pushing of it and you really just have to turn up put in a costume and do your bit I quite like that as well um, I, I, television is uh, is has taken me a long time to feel absolutely comfortable on because it's a bit scary because you're actually forced onto people really you're in their lounge room see if they if they come to a theatre they've, they've come because they know you're in it they've decided that they want to see you they've paid their money and they sit down so you've got a friendly audience to start with um, then if you're no good, then they'll you know, shoot you down. But um, if, in television, you're kind of forced into people's lounge rooms. They haven't asked for you to be there. And they have the option of changing the channels, of course. But it's a bit scarier. They're a bit more inclined to be critical of you. Um, but I feel comfortable. I think the key is to be yourself on television. Um, 
And radio is my next love after theatre. I think I like theatre first, then radio, then television. Because radio, you're instantly connected to your audience um, and you know if you press their buttons. A bit like theatre, you instantly know whether they're liking you or hating you. And radio is the same because your phone lines will light up instantly if you've said something they hate. <laughs> and in television, you've got to wait a few days before you read, about, read how bad you were in the paper. <laughs> All right. Well, what current projects have you got lined up that you can tell our listeners about? Well, uh, this first leg of the tour is finished, but we will be taking Todd McKenny sings Peter Allen around again uh, once Greece is finished. But I go back into Greece, um, Perth for Greece for a few weeks, and then we go to Adelaide with Greece, then Hobart for a short season, and then I do a, a production of Lacage Fall for the production company in Melbourne where I play Alban. Um, as I play half the role as a man and half the role as a woman. Um, it's a massive role and it's fantastic. I'm doing that with Simon Burke in the other lead role. And then I go back to Greece for a return season um, of Greece in Melbourne because it was such a big hit. Uh, and we're going back there and that takes me through to January and then I start another musical which hasn't launched yet so I can't actually tell you what it is right now. Um, but it is a tap dancing musical um, that I do that right through until the beginning of 2016. Wow, so you've certainly got uh, a busy couple of years ahead of you. Yeah, that's why I've got my trainer four times a week. <laughs> okay, well, finally, what advice would you offer to someone looking to work in the industry? I think it's an exciting industry. I, I, and don't be, you know, put off if you go to an audition and don't get it. Just keep going to the next one. And don't forget that the, the industry is huge. If you don't get a job on stage, there's lots of work you can do off stage, um, which is exciting and still in the same world it might be stage management it might be lighting it might be sound it, it might be musicianship it's um i think it's a great industry to be involved with it it's the diversity of uh, of things you can do within the industry is really exciting and it can take you all over the world and um you know and like if you're doing musical and you don't like it, it doesn't matter it's only on for a year <laughs> you get a better one in a minute <laughs> Well, thank you for your very wise words. Now, if our listeners want to stay in touch with you, where can they head over to? Okay, you can go to toddmckinney.com.au or you can go to toddstours.com or I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. You can find me. You'll find me. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks very much for that. It's been a nice interview. That was Todd McKenney, an Australian musical theatre icon. Now, there have been some amazing releases at the box office recently, and let's start with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. The most recent Apes movie is slightly drawn out, but it hits home, and I'm going to give that one three stars, and you can check out my full review of that over at PreachersPodcast.net. The next release that I checked out for this episode is National Theatre Live, A Small Family Business, and it's another theatrical spectacle broadcast live from West End, and it's probably Alan Ackbourne's most famous play, and it's proved after nearly 30 years it's still very relevant and very amusing. I gave that one four stars, and it is still playing around the country in limited release, so you can also check that one out, and the full review is on the website under the movie reviews section. And the final review for today is Devil's Knot. Now, this movie is based on the devastating events of the 1993 massacre, and it's a disturbing look at the ignorance and bias of the police force at the time and the power of mass hysteria. It is a truly haunting movie, and I do recommend you check this one out. I'm giving it four stars, and you can check out my full detailed look at that also online. And those reviews are here and online are thanks to the wonderful people over at Palace Nova Cinemas. 
Now, Roadshow Entertainment's also got some wonderful releases coming out this month. First of all, we've got Da Vinci's Demons Series 2, Atlantis from the creators of Merlin and Misfits, Last Hang on Halifax Series 2, and the tense and gripping three-part political thriller 37 Days. Now, another theatrical release that's now on DVD thanks to Roadshow is The Lego Movie, and it is a hilarious ride of fun. For the whole family can enjoy it, and it's one that I do recommend you check out. So that's my pick of the month for July. Now, I'll be back very shortly talking to Rob Mills and John Paul Young, stars of the current Australian tour of Greece. And I'll also be giving my review of that live from the Adelaide opening. Now, don't forget to check out the wonderful companies and brands that support this podcast. That's Palace Nova Cinemas, and they're located all around Australia. Roger Entertainment, and you can pick up any of their products from any of the good retailers around Australia. And also Mad Zombie Collectibles. Uh, they're located on Twin Street and online at madzombie.com.au. So you can check those guys out anywhere. And more details are in the show notes for the episode. So I'll be back with you around the 8th or 9th of August. I'll see you then. I've been your host, Benjamin Man McKay. See you next time. <laughs>